This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time now for the Therapeutic Green Room with psychologist Simi Desor. Welcome to the Therapeutic Green Room, the space in between where we can talk about concerns, worries, challenges, thoughts and joys with me, Simi Desor. I'm a registered psychologist working here in Christchurch, New Zealand, and today I want to talk about something called flow. I've spoken about the state of being in flow in an earlier show related to creativity and well-being, but I want to talk about it a bit more today. As the year comes to a close and we're frantically trying to do all the things on our to-do lists, it's important to think about the things that energize us. So, what is flow? Well, have you ever been completely and utterly immersed in a task, oblivious to the outside world, focused only on your own progress and what's going on right here and now? Maybe you've been doing something you love, like dancing or playing a certain sport or even working on a project at work before realizing that time has totally passed you by. If you've answered yes to any of these questions, then you are familiar with the state of being in flow. In positive psychology, a flow state, also known as being in zone, is the mental state in which a person performing an activity is fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus, full involvement and enjoyment in the process of the activity. In essence, flow is the complete absorption in what one does and a resulting transformation in one's sense of time. Often we're worried about things that have happened in the past and we're anticipating issues that might arise in the future, so much so that we're in problem-solving mode much of the time. Being in the present moment, however, gets forgotten. Despite being associated with creative tasks, flow can also be applied to education, sports and the workplace. One of the key points about flow is that a person needs to push oneself out of their comfort zone to induce it. In education, this can be seen in challenging assignments that lead to learning. In areas of sport, athletes are pushed to the limit to improve mastery. In the workplace, a project can leave an employee feeling that they are in the zone. Put plainly, Flow is the joy of doing something for the sake of doing it. If it is something that sounds akin to other mental states, like those that meditation or yoga can facilitate, it may be interesting to note that similar ideas feature in Buddhist, Taoist, and Hindu literature. To put it succinctly, flow can be thought of, as Csikszentmihalyi said, the holistic sensation that people feel when they act with total involvement. So what are the benefits of flow for you and me? 
Well, after being engaged in flow, we're happier and experience more positive emotions. People who engage in flow have feelings of success, of pride and accomplishment, all of which encourage more learning and development. And by extension, these activities can feel joyous after completion. They can also improve coping and better emotional regulation over time because we know we can be involved and feel joyous. What are the components of flow? Nakamura and Csikszentmihalyi identify six factors as part of the experience of flow. So flow involves intense and focused concentration on the present moment, a bit like mindfulness or like my four-year-old coloring in this morning. Second, there's a merging of action and awareness where what you're doing becomes who you are in a sense. Third, there's also a loss of reflective self-consciousness where you aren't judging or second-guessing what you're doing. Fourth, there's a sense of personal control or agency over the situation or activity. Next, there is a feeling of a distortion of temporal experience. Our subjective experience of time is altered. We're not worrying about what time it is, how much time has gone by, or what we have to do next. Finally, there is an experience of the activity as intrinsically rewarding. We're not thinking about any external gain or reward. This is also referred to as autotelic experience. For me, for example, this happens regularly in different situations. One such situation is when I write. I feel very present and engaged, and I'm not wanting anything in return for writing. I become completely involved in what I'm doing. There is a sense of clarity, calm, and timelessness. These six aspects of flow can appear independently of each other, but it's only when they appear in combination do they constitute a flow experience. Further, Kendra Cherry has mentioned three other components that Cheek Sent Me High lists as being part of the flow experience. Immediate feedback, feeling the potential to succeed, and thirdly, feeling so engrossed in the experience that others' needs become negligible. Just as with the conditions we discussed above, these conditions can be independent of one another. A flow state can be entered while performing any activity, although it's often likely to occur when we are wholeheartedly performing a task or activity for the joy of it or for intrinsic purposes. Remember, we have to be actively engaged and participating to experience flow. Passive activities like taking a dog for a walk or taking a bath or even watching TV usually don't elicit flow experiences as people have to actively do something to enter a flow state. While these activities that induce flow may vary and be multifaceted, Cheek Sent Me High asserts that the experience of flow is similar despite the activity. Flow theory suggests three conditions that have to be met to achieve flow state. 
One must be involved in an activity with a clear set of goals and progress. This adds direction and structure to the task. The task at hand must have clear and immediate feedback. This helps the person negotiate any changing demands and allows them to adjust their performance to maintain the flow state. Thirdly, we must also have a good balance between the perceived challenges of the task at hand and our own perceived skills. We must have confidence in our ability to complete the task at hand. However, it has been argued that the factors preceding flow are interrelated as a perceived balance between challenges and skills requires that we know what we have to do, our clear goals are set, and how successfully we're going to be doing them. So immediate feedback is useful. So perceived set of skills and task demands can be identified as the central precondition of flow experience. So for example, let's think of my four-year-old focusing and coloring in between the lines. She has the basic skills of pencil grip and technique. She's able to choose colors. This meets the skill set criteria and task demands. Then she begins coloring in with focus feels she's coloring in beautifully, gets appreciative feedback from us all, and continues to extend her skills. When I call her for lunch, for example, she doesn't even hear me, because she's experiencing flow. Owen Schaffer proposed seven flow conditions. These are knowing what to do, knowing how to do it, knowing how well you're doing, knowing where to go if you have to get somewhere, the perceived challenges and the perceived skills, and lastly, freedom from distraction. What stops us from getting into flow then? What are the challenges to staying in flow? Some of the challenges to staying in flow include either apathy, boredom, or anxiety. Being in a state of apathy occurs when challenges are low and our skill level is low. This produces a general lack of interest in the task at hand. Boredom is slightly different in that it occurs when challenges are low, but our skill level exceeds those challenges. This mismatch causes us to seek higher challenges, and we're bored with what's going on. A state of anxiety occurs when challenges are so high that they exceed our perceived skill level, causing us great distress and uneasiness. These states in general differ from being in a state of flow because flow occurs when challenges match our skill level. We are challenged just a little bit, but not too much. That's why Cheeks and Mihai has said, if challenges are too low, one gets back to flow by increasing them. If challenges are too great, one can return to flow by learning new skills. Csikszentmihalyi suggested that people with several specific personality traits may be better able to achieve flow more often than the average person. These personality traits include curiosity, persistence, 
low self-centeredness, and a high rate of performing activities for intrinsic reasons only. People with most of these personality traits are said to have autotelic personality. The term autotelic is acquired from two Greek words, auto, meaning self, and telos, meaning goal. Being autotelic means having self-contained activity, one that is done not with the expectation of some future benefit, but simply to experience it as the main goal. At this point, there's not much research on autotelic personality, but results of a few studies that have been conducted suggest that some people are more prone to experience flow than others. One researcher, Abu Hamde, in 2000, found that people with an autotelic personality have a greater preference for high-action opportunity, high-skill situations that stimulate them and encourage growth compared to those without an autotelic personality. It is in such high-challenge, high-skill situations that people are most likely to enter the flow state. According to Csikszentmihalyi, The best moments in our lives are not the passive, receptive, relaxing times. The best moments usually occur if a person's body or mind is stretched to its limits in a voluntary effort to accomplish something difficult and worthwhile. He has said that flow is good only in that it has the potential to make life more rich, intense, and meaningful. It is good because it increases the strengths and complexities of the self. But whether the consequence of any particular instance of flow is good in a larger sense needs to be discussed and evaluated in terms of more inclusive social criteria. Even though he said that, I do wonder if there's social flow-on effect from being in flow. How can you achieve flow, though? So... Here's how to cultivate flow if you want to be methodical about it. 1. Choose your activity, something you love, have the skills for, and feel challenged by. 2. The activity or task cannot be too hard, and it cannot be too easy. 3. Become clear about your body clock and your most productive or creative time. For example, I tend to... Think much more clearly at 5 in the morning as opposed to 10 at night. So I tend to engage in some of my flow activities early in the morning. Next, have a ritual around it. If, for example, you're a runner, make sure your running shoes and clothes are ready to go in the same place every morning. If you're a writer, make sure your pen and paper or your computer is ready to go. You are then coaching your brain your body, and your behavior to align. 5. Your mindset surrounding the task should be focused on the journey, not the destination. If you ride a bike, it might be more about enjoying the ride on the flat or a hill climb, noticing the power of your legs and focusing on the moment rather than the destination, or immersing yourself in dancing or playing music without thinking about the audience or the accolades. 6. Stay focused on one task alone. 
multitasking will distract you from being in the zone. So if you're going to write your great novel, turn your phone off and the TV off. Seven, whatever interests you. Focus on thinking about the intrinsic factors about your internal motivation as you tackle your task. If this state is uninterrupted, then a flow state should follow as a natural consequence of this sequence of events. This week, I invite you to reflect on the activities and experiences in your life. Are you in flow daily, weekly, or monthly? If not, then why not? How could you cultivate experiences where you can be in flow? After all, wouldn't you like your life to be more rich, intense, and meaningful? And if you are a friend, a partner, a child, a parent, a student, a teacher, an employer, or an employee, if your life was more rich, intense, and meaningful, wouldn't it benefit both you and those who are in your life? So I encourage you to reflectively add flow into your life this week. We need to be kind to ourselves and each other because in kindness and through compassion, we will find our individual and collective strength. Thank you for connecting with me today. Be well, and I hope you go well. 